This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, March 13, 2008. I'm Caleb Brown. Who will libertarians support in the 2008 presidential race? Cato Institute Executive Vice President David Bowes says he would love to talk about where the libertarian vote is headed, but in an election year featuring Obama, McCain, and Hillary, he just can't imagine where they'll go. David Bowes is the author of the new Cato book, The Politics of Freedom. Well, you said the reporting on it was limited, but essentially what has Barack Obama said to make sort of this appeal to libertarians? Well, one speech in Wyoming, he was asked about uh, President Bush's executive orders, and he talked about how in the West there are a lot of people, both Democrats and Republicans, with libertarian sympathies, and that he thought he could appeal to people like that. They would be concerned about executive power, and he's going to do something about that. And he said there's nothing conservative, there's nothing Republican about accumulating all power in the presidency. So that was his one explicit um, appeal to people who lean libertarian. John McCain has unequivocally said that he will not use presidential signing statements. Obama and Hillary have both said, eh, maybe. Well, I think they've actually said something stronger than maybe. I think they've said that the president has gone way overboard and they're not going to continue to do it that way. But you're right. McCain has said unequivocally he will not. Presidents have been using signing statements for a long time, and so I'm not sure that's the measured response. Um, I'm no expert on this topic, but I think the fact that Bush has taken it too far and has written signing statements saying, in effect, I'm not going to obey this law, I'm going to do what I think is appropriate, um, was going too far. McCain, in his attempt to find difference with Bush, may, in fact, have pushed too far in the other direction. The test is going to be, of course, when they become president, because lots of people promise things when they're running that they don't do when they become president. And the question is, will any president actually give up powers that the previous president has accumulated? It's pretty obvious to libertarians where Hillary Clinton comes down on individual liberty. But for McCain and Obama, they both made these sort of appeals. And in fact, in some polling, there's overlap between the two of them somehow. Hillary has been strikingly ideological for 16 years. In my book, uh, Libertarianism, a Primer, I quoted her a lot because she says things like, I'm a government junkie and there is no such thing as other people's children. And so, you know, you want to foil for libertarianism, it's Hillary Clinton. It's not clear that Obama is any different from that. He just hasn't said as much yet. His speeches are more eloquent but less substantive than hers. When you look at the substance, he's rattling off the same laundry list of things that the government will do for you that she is, and his selling point is she can't deliver it and I will. So if you thought that was true, you'd find Hillary less dangerous to liberty than Obama. Obama does a great job of saying, I don't believe in the old liberal conservative battles. I want to rise above that. I want to listen to the best of both sides. But when he actually comes down, it seems always on the left end of respectable politics. So I don't know that he's going to be any better. There's an argument that he has civil libertarian tendencies, and there is some evidence for that. And there's not much evidence for Hillary having civil libertarian tendencies. And then when you talk about McCain, McCain certainly seems better on economic issues. Um, 
Not so good on civil liberties, although he has promised not to use torture as an instrument of American policy, and so that's some improvement over what we have today. Um, he voted against the federal marriage amendment, though he has endorsed banning gay marriage in all the states. Um, Obama voted against the flag-burning amendment. McCain voted for it. So there are, there are some differences, I think, on civil liberties uh, that may or may not be overridden by their differences on economic issues. In his book on McCain, Matt Welch says that McCain has a particular ability to get voters to essentially wish-cast their values and their beliefs onto him by playing both sides of the aisle. It seems that Obama is actually even better at that. Is there a danger of libertarians falling prey to that type of wish-casting on, on that side of the aisle? Uh, there probably is. I actually don't imagine that we'll see a whole lot of libertarians really falling for Obama. Finding him better than Hillary, that's pretty easy. Deciding that ending the war is more important than anything else that McCain or Obama might do is also a plausible libertarian response. And in that case, I don't think you're wish-casting. Uh, you're not putting all your hopes in Obama. You're just looking at one issue and saying, clearly, McCain wants to start more wars. Obama says he wants to end this one. So I'm going to go with that as the most important issue. On the other hand, uh, by November, the Republicans will have thrown a lot of big government, big spender, liberal epithets at uh, Obama. It's going to be hard for libertarians to ignore all of the big government programs that he is talking about. Has the libertarian vote changed in its size or attitude over the past eight years? Well, it's difficult to uh, identify the size. I guess the answer is no, it probably hasn't. Different polls at different times show 15 to 20 percent, probably somewhere in there. This is, of course, people who we think are giving libertarian answers to questions, not people who say they're libertarians. So, yeah, we think that that has stayed about the same. What we have noticed that is that in 2000, libertarians voted 72 to 20 for George W. Bush. By 2004, they were down to 59-38. So the margin narrowed a great deal. And by 2006, they were almost 50-50 between Republican and Democratic candidates for Congress. So that seems to me a, a, a real danger sign for the Republicans. There are so many danger signs for the Republicans in this election that they may not be able to pay attention to all of them. But they should be looking at the fact that by these estimates, there are a lot more libertarians than there are soccer moms or NASCAR dads, and they are more of a swing vote. They have just gone from a 47-point Republican margin to an 8-point Republican margin. That's 39 points the Republicans ought to try to get back. The Republicans aren't trying very hard to get that uh, uh, group back, but at the same time, other than Obama's one answer to a question in Wyoming, the Democrats aren't trying very hard to get the Libertarian vote either. Libertarians have also shown more of a propensity to vote for third-party candidates than other voters do. So if there were a third-party candidate who appealed to Libertarians in this election, I would think that the Libertarian vote would be very much in play. With a third-party candidate on the ballot who had some degree of appeal, wouldn't that make the candidates McCain, Obama, or Hillary actually 
make even a, a smaller attempt to go for those voters? Well, not necessarily. Sometimes when you see a third-party candidate, I mean, if a, if a Ralph Nader is out there appealing to voters on the left, it can cause an Al Gore to move to the left, thinking, I've got to make sure that I hold on to my base. So I think it can, it can play both ways. Alternatively, they might decide I need to solidify my one-third or 40 percent and not go after the people who are moving to the, the third-party candidate. I don't think major party candidates simply say, okay, I'll let the third party guy have 10% of the vote that I think ought to be mine. I don't think it works that way. So I think they would be looking at that point at ways to appeal to voters who are being pulled away. The problem is they don't think of libertarians as a block. They think about black voters. They think about white evangelical voters. They think about suburban voters. They think about women voters. They think about the left-wing base and the right-wing base. They're not thinking of libertarians as a voting block, and to the extent that they think about people with libertarian leanings, they don't know where you go. I mean, you can go to the NAACP and the black churches. You can go to the white Baptist churches. You can go to the unions. Where do you go to find the libertarians? And I think because they don't know the answer to that, it's harder for them to figure out how to appeal to them. On the other hand, I think the candidates do know that candidates who get too far in the religious right direction don't do well. Um, they know that candidates who get too far left don't do well. They also know that candidates who become too protectionist don't do very well. All the candidates who talked about protectionism and cracking down on immigration didn't make it into the finals. So there is this sense that there are a lot of basic libertarian attitudes, social tolerance ever since the 60s, economic dynamism, um, openness to the world, that I think people do understand there are voters who are interested in that. They may not know they're libertarian voters, and they may not necessarily appreciate that the same ones who believe in economic dynamism might be the ones who believe in social tolerance. And part of the message of the politics of freedom and the libertarian vote and the other things I've written lately is, is to help both uh, journalists and politicians understand that there is this group who believe in both social tolerance and economic dynamism. David Bose is the executive vice president of the Cato Institute and author of the new Cato book, The Politics of Freedom. This is the Cato Daily Podcast. You can get your copy of David's book at our website, cato.org.